Good morning and good afternoon. Welcome to another episode of Before Coffee. It is Mucking Fun Day here in February, our first Mucking Fun Day of February. And we're going to cover all that stuff that went over the weekend, like the Grammys and crazy weather events here on National Shower with a Friend Day, I guess. Let's go ahead and get into our headlines today on Before Coffee. EU Green picks veteran MEPs to lead election campaign. And weather news, California gets deluged with rain and we have a massive fire in Chile. Germany launches major four-day work week trial amid labor shortage. Indian tribe bans South Dakota governor and a news organization, The Messenger, folds overnight. Grammy 2024. I heard it was great. Let's review what happened on the big night. And it's National Shower with a Friend Day and National Weather Persons Day. And you can do both just by stepping outside in California on today, February 5th, 2024 on Before Coffee. Let's look at our new stories of the day from the EU. We've been talking or been looking at these EU elections that are happening in July, which is why the entire EU wants to stop working, I guess, because I have to do an election campaign. Why would I pass laws when I have to do an election campaign? But this is news on The Guardian from Ajit Nirnajan. The EU Greens picking their veterinary MPs to lead the election. They have picked Terry Rentke, Rentke and Boss Eckhout as lead candidates to front its campaign ahead of elections in June that polls suggest will result in it losing seats. Blinked by green banners and bearing the word courage, the two MEPs who were elected by delegates at a, con- at a Congress in Lyon on Saturday said they would stand up to the surge of the far right and fight for a more equal and ecological Europe. Rentke, a German MEP who won 55% of the vote for lead female candidate, said she wanted to put social justice at the heart of the election campaign. She said, I want us to speak to people who are not yet speak being spec- spoke to? No. I want us to speak to people who we are not yet speaking to. There you go. That's what she said. Eckhout, a Dutch MEP who won 57% of the vote for the second position, said he wanted to be an antidote to the far right. We will stand for democracy, we will fight the fascists, and we will stand for the future. The Greens rode a wave of public support at the last election in 2019 after students staged protests for climate action and a UN report found countries must hit zero net emissions by 2050 to keep the planet from heating to 1.5 Celsius or 2.7 Fahrenheit. As far-right parties have grown more popular and the Greens have lost support in big countries such as Germany, delegates at the Congress said they expected to shed some seats in the European Parliament. Echhout and Rentke, who had been MEP since 2009 and 2014 respectively, told The Guardian they expected to outperform the polls, but that would be harder than at the previous election. Obviously, we are obviously we are facing challenges where green policies are being attacked head on, but we are also fighting finding our fighting spirit, said Rentke, 36, who is the co-president of the Green Group in Parliament. Wow, 36, pretty young. Like in six years, I can just become an MEP for Europe or something. It will be much more challenging, Eckhout, 47, who is vice chair of the European Parliament's Environmental Committee. 
but attacks by the conservatives and the far right need to be bad. He need not be bad, he added. The worst can happen in a campaign is if they ignore you. Oh yeah, that is pretty bad. You guys aren't even a threat to us. We're not even going to counter your arguments. A key question for the Green Party is whether it would support the Commission President Ursula von der Leyen, the champion of the European Greendale and a heavyweight of the center-right European People's Party, if she ran for a second term. The candidates declined to say what their support would cost her, but Eckhout said that going back on the Greendale could not be part of it. The Green Deal was a big relief because it put environment at the core of politics for the first time, said Eckhout. While industry has realized that change was needed, politicians were dropping the ball, he added. They, there I get furious. The candidates also said they would balance engaging their core supporters with selling the social benefits of policies to new voters. Climate activists in countries where the Greens are part of the national government have often been left frustrated by compromises made with big coalition partners. After an, uh, it's not that the activists are against compromise. It's that they don't want foul compromise, said Rentke. But after negotiations, she added, the Greens would still have to convince voters that it's better for us to be at the table and take the decisions with others as a compromise rather than being on the sidelines, maybe having the right ideology, but not influencing policies. That's true. You can have all the great ideas you want, but if nobody's going to listen to you, who cares? <laughs> you might as well not be there. Um, both Renka and Eckhout beat Benedetta Scuderi, an Italian from the Young European Greens, and Elena Pinto, the candidate of the Latvian Progressive Party, on stage at the Congress. The candidates highlighted their personalities and backgrounds more than differences in policies. Renka also said that Greens need to engage communities who felt angry and apathetic without adopting the tactics of the far right. He said, She said, they want this diffused anger. They don't want to solve any of the problems. And added, confronting this anger, make it into something constructive, but also looking at the apathy that a lot of people feel and how we can turn it into something positive. That is a challenge we are facing in the election that I want to take on. So look at her, she's ready to take it on. She did get, she did get the most votes for representing the Greens, so. Any Europeans out there looking for somebody who cares about the environment and is ready to tackle all the problems of be defeating the far right, I guess look to the Greens and Rentke and, and Eckhout. So that's uh, my story, your update here on the crazy European election. On to your story. Right, my mic off. <laughs> but we're back. Still here. All right. In weather news, on our hot, hot planet, it's affecting it in all kinds of ways. Extremely dangerous situation unfolding in Hollywood Hills area as storm hits LA, which of course is localized by the uh, Los Angeles Times, but it's raining really hard all up and down the West Coast. This is Rong Gong Lin II. An extremely Dangerous situation was unfolding in the Hollywood Hills area around the Santa Monica Mountains early Monday as a powerful, slow-moving storm triggered mud flows and debris flows that damaged some homes and forced residents to evacuate. Life-threatening landslides and additional flash flooding expected overnight, National Weather Service warned on social media. Avoid travel at all, if at all possible. Forecasters expressed deep concern also about Griffith Park, nearby Foothills, and Malibu and Beverly Hills. 
the flash flood warning was in effect for the area Monday morning. Doppler radar indicated heavy rain, the Weather Service said. Five to eight inches of rain. Five to eight inches of rain already falling in that area. The forecaster said Saturday night. An additional one to four inches were possible in the area Monday morning. We are seeing a lot of rescues in cars on roads due to mud and debris flow in the Hollywood Hills and up in the Santa Monica Mountains. National Weather Service meteorologist Todd Hall said Monday morning. Communities such as Pacific Palisades, Bel Air, Studio City, Sherman Oaks, Encino, and Topanga, Topanga are being affected by reports of debris flow going into homes. Mud was already flowing across Hollywood Hills Sunday night, damaging homes and forcing residents to flee. In Studio City late Saturday, Sunday, debris flow sent debris flow sent mud and other objects flowing down the 11900 block of Lockridge Road just off Fryman Canyon, damaging at least two homes. Los Angeles firefighters said all nine homes on Lockridge Road were evacuated, including pets, in case further soil instability causes another flow. Firefighters said there were no injuries. 16 residents were displaced. About eight miles to the northwest in Tarzana, after midnight Monday, firefighters reported at least three homes impacted by a small flow of debris, 1800 block of Boris Drive. We're getting out to actual people's homes here, giving their addresses. If you know anybody at those addresses, well, they're probably at some shelter. Off yeah, Long Beach, 19 people, maybe. Sunday, off Long Beach, 19 people were rescued from the rocks of a breakwater. After a massive 40 foot boat, they were on broken high winds. 11 people climbed onto the rocks where they were rescued. Eight more were picked up by a good Samaritan. Before the professional rescues arrived, and said, said Brian Fist, firefighter Long Beach, Department of Public Information Office. Elsewhere in the regions, forecasters also warned of a high risk of excessive rainfall Orange County and parts of the Inland Empire through Tuesday morning. Damage reports piled up early Monday as the storm system steadily pummeled Southern California and downtown LA and broke a 97-year-old rainfall record. On Sunday, downtown LA had seen 4.1 inches of rain, which broke the record calendar day set on February 4, 1927, when 2.55 inches of rain was recorded. Sunday was the third wettest February day on record and tied for the 10th wettest day for any time of the year since we're going to keep began in 1877, the National said. So I don't know what to tell you about that, except it's going to rain and it's going to keep raining and it's going to be a lot of it. Yeah. So buckle in, buckle down, whatever. Stay in the high ground. Um, in other news and mother nature not really caring about our plans horse fires raging in chile chile kill at least 112. this is from joe coddle of nbc news at least 112 people have been killed by forest fires raging in chile Official said Sunday, increased death toll came after President Gabriel Boric said early on Sunday afternoon that a number of victims had grown to 64 and was likely to rise. Chile's medical examiners said Sunday night that 112 people had been brought to the Valparaiso forensic unit. And in a news conference Saturday, Interior Minister Carolina Doha said there are 92 active fires burning that have affected more than 43,000 hectares. On Sunday, Toha added that more than 1,350 homes have already been affected. Boric issued an order 
for two days of national mourning for the forest fire victims, both those who have lost loved ones and those who have lost their property. In virtual addresses, Boric acknowledged the loss of life and homes and promised Chileans that the government has actively worked and provided resources. I know that this is a very difficult time to lose the house that was built with so many years of sacrifice, the president said. Losing a family member, a loved one is a heartbreak, impossible to measure, but rest assured that our government has deployed with all the human, technical, and budgetary resources. Fires triggered evacuations in several regions of Central Chile. In February 23, fires in the country swept more than 400,000 hectares and killed more than 22 people. Through this year's, though this year's fire is not spread as widely, Toa said they're multiplying rapidly and are spreading closer to urban areas, so the potential to affect more people and structures, structures is very high. The fires broke out as Chile faces a heat wave that has affected other Latin American countries as well. Boric declared a state of emergency and red alerts were issued for at high-risk areas. The Education Ministry has established 20 shelters in the regions of Valparaiso, O'Higgins, and Los Lagos. Boric also flew over the region to assess the affected areas. We have worked to have the greatest resources in our history to face the wildfire season and employ them from day one to prevent forest fires and help people. 19 helicopters, more than 450 firefighters, have been brought to the area to combat the blazes. Additionally, all mass commercial events in Valparaiso were suspended, including sporting, recreational, culture events, in order to focus on the fires. Every time there's a massive event, that means a demand for security teams and authorities who are distracted from what is central today, Toha said. That is why we need there to be no distraction. Espal, a Chile-based water utilities company, says teams are working to stabilize the service in order to supply and boost water in fire zones. In a news release, Espal Regional Manager Alejandro Salas said, also encouraged customers to postpone non-urgent tasks such as washing clothes and watering gardens. Curfrey was extended to the towns of Pelopio, Viña del Mar, Danache, and Via Alabanda until Sunday to allow clearer routes for operational teams to maneuver and for evacuations to take place. So there we go, more news from the hot, hot planet. Back to you. Man. In Europe. It's wet one place and it's dry the other. Kind of how hemispheres work, I suppose. Um, yeah, she's she's in the middle of summer in Chile. I did see a photo somewhere on Threads, right? The Instagram, Twitter, basically. Uh, somebody shared a photo of them having a bunch of sandbags and tarp all over their um, the garage door. So there are people out there getting ready for the brain, I guess. So get some sandbags if you haven't already. And make sure your house maybe, doesn't float away. It's too late. It's too late. It's too late to get ready now. <laughs> it's too late to get ready. We're, they're in the middle of it now. It's a day <laughs> Well, stay safe out there. Well, I'm just saying. How much sandbags can you pack in the rain? Yeah. Right. They're probably sold out, too. Yeah. People bought 50 sandbags they don't need. All right. For more European news, we're talking about Germany launching its major four-day work week trial even though they have a labor shortage. But I'm sure it's just a labor shortage and things they don't they don't think is important. So they're like, ah, it's whatever. Who cares if we don't have enough waitresses or something? Anyways, Germany's, uh, this is from Euronews Next. Germany is hoping that a shorter work week 
will make workers more productive at a time when the country has experienced a chronic labor shortage. Germany has started a six-month-long four-day week work trial to allow employees at 45 companies across the country to work one less day per week for the same pay. What do you mean allow? <laughs> I'm sorry. Allow employees at like at 45 companies. Like before, those 49 com companies were 45 companies were not allowed to do this trial. Now they're allowed to by Germany. <laughs> uh, interesting phrasing. That's all. The initiative was only involves companies who work can be adapted to a shorter work week is led by Berlin-based management consultancy Intrapreneur together with the collaboration of the nonprofit organization 4-Day Week Global, which I think we've talked about before on this show when other, I think the UK did a trial. Advocates of the shorter work week hope that working four days a week will make workers happier and more productive at a time when Germany is struggling with slower productivity growth and labor shortages. Productivity is normally calculated by dividing economic output by hours worked. After reaching an all-time high of 105.2 points in November 2017, Germany's productivity has steadily decreased. According to data from the Deutsche Bundesbank, though it remains higher than the major economies in Europe. In November 2023, the latest data available, productivity slid to 95.8 points from 96 to 79 points the month before. Wow, that's a huge dive. One point, one point, uh, math. 1.1 points or something. According to supporters of the four-day work week, most work workers are already tested it. Working on less, one less day per week would increase workers' well-being, motivation, and making them more productive. Working fewer hours per week might also convince those who are not willing to work a full week to enter the workforce, helping to reduce the current labor shortage, which is affecting industrialized countries around the world. Germany is currently struggling with a lack of workers in skilled, high-growth sectors. Alright, let me just find out what those are, and I'll go get that job, and then, I don't know, work four days a week. Last November, the DIHK Chamber of Commerce and Industry said that half of the German companies were struggling to fill vacancies. Thousands of jobs unfilled in the German economy caused the country to lose more than 90 billion in the past year, over 2% of Germany's GDP, according to DIHK's Deputy Chief Executive, Achim Derks. Nine, two percent doesn't sound like a lot, but it is a lot. Cause that's ninety billion. That's a lot of money just gone. While it's unclear whether the short, shorter work weeks will fix the problem anyway, Germany appears excited to try it. A Forces survey found that seventy-one percent of people working in the country would like to have the option to only work four days a week. Just over three quarters of those surveyed said they were supportive of the government exploring potential introduction of a four-day week among employers. More than a two out of the three supported this. A substantial majority, 75%, believe that a four-day work week would be desirable for employers with a majority, 59%, feeling it should be achievable for employers as well. Almost half of employers said they are saw trialing a four-day work week in their own workplace setting as feasible. I'm not gonna say no. I'm not gonna say yes, but I'm not gonna say no. You know, it could happen. If, you know, the economy's right, the line is going in the right direction, I might just let people work four days a week. I don't know. Anyways, that's me pretending to be a German, um, like CEO. 
<laughs> they told that's what they sound like uh but there you go major news i think we talked about back in probably october that they were going to be doing this and this is official that they did in back out and they officially are running this four-day work week trial so i guess see you in six months to let you know how bad it went or good it, i'm thinking it's gonna go good i just think uh quantifying yeah. labor by hours is a sad idea anyway yeah I mean, why not just pay yeah. people by their output? <laughs> I guess they're always trying to do that. It's like if you can do if you can do eight hours of work in five hours, what's the problem? Go home. Yeah. That's what I see it. Pay me for my work, not for my time. Work? That's what I argue. That's what I argue. Yeah. But time is easier to measure yeah, well, than said, work, right? Oh yeah, you turned in an Excel document, but you know, <laughs> I don't know what that I costs. Turned in that big old Excel document. <laughs> Which you can basically do in your free time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, so I guess it's my story. Yep, your story. Uh, I sent you a video, by the way. I wrangled the video together. You found something. Oh, cool. Nice. Oh, yeah. Okay. And um, I guess political news. Oglala Sioux bans South Dakota's governor from tribal lands over U.S.-Mexico border remarks. Quick quiz. How far is South Dakota from Mexico? It's a long damn way. Across a country, you could argue. South Dakota. <laughs> yeah, you basically got to go through Iowa. Then you got to go through Missouri. Idaho. Texas. Oklahoma. Then you got to go through Texas. Colorado, maybe. And then you're in Mexico. But apparently... Oh, wait, wait. She's trying to be vice president. That's right. That's why she's yakking. <laughs> Oglala Sioux bans South Dakota's governor from tribal lands over U.S.-Mexico border remarks. This is from PBS.org News Hour, written by Trisha Ahmed. Associated Press... South Dakota tribe was banned for, has banned Republican Governor Christy Noem, Noem, at N-O-E-M. Her name sounds like an acronym. Let's make an acronym out of that name, shall we? From the Pine Ridge at Reservation after she spoke, let's see, N's Nazi, what's the next word? From the Pine Ridge Reservation after she spoke this week about wanting to send razor wire and security personnel to Texas to help deter immigration to U.S.-Mexico border and also said cartels are infiltrating the state's reservations. Yeah. Okay, here we go with the racism. Due to the safety of, of the Oate, effective immediately, you are hereby banished from the homelands of the Oglala Sioux Tribe. Tribe President Frank Starr comes out. His name is Frank. Starr comes out. That's his name. Okay, so... You get a little confused, just remember that's his name. I'm going to say it several times. Tribe President Frank Starcombs out said in a Friday statement addressed to Noam Oyate is a word for people of a nation. Starcombs out accused Noam of trying to use the border issue to help get former U.S. President Donald Trump reelected and not reelected and boosts her chances of becoming his running mate. Well, that's obvious. It's like, get me out of South Dakota. No, just kidding. Many of those arriving at the U.S.-Mexico border are indigenous people from places like El Salvador, Guatemala, and Mexico who come in search of jobs and better life, the travel leader said. They don't need to be put in cages, separated from their children, like during the Trump administration, or be cut up by razor wire furnished by, of all places, South Dakota. 
star comes out. Also addressed Noam's remarks in the speech to lawmakers Wednesday, in which she said, said a gang calling itself the ghost dancers is murdering people in a pine reservation and it's affiliated with border crossing cartels that use South Dakota reservation to spread drugs to events in the West. Star comes out said he took deep offense in a reference saying that the ghost dance is one of the Oglala Sioux's most sacred ceremonies was used with blatant disrespect in insulting our Oyate. Yes, he, he added that the tribe is a sovereign nation and does not belong to the state of South Dakota. Noam responded Saturday in a statement saying, it's unfortunate that President Starr comes out chose to bring politics into our discussion regarding the effects of Kevin Gagne's failure to enforce federal laws in the southern border and tribal lands. My focus continues to be working together to solve those problems. Okay, there is no government failure to enforce federal laws at all. Uh, they're using this as a political issue only. They yeah. have no intention of solving the problem. Their only thing they want to do is get Trump elected. And this is the only way they can do it. By lying, by making things up, by exaggerating the problem. Yeah. By saying, oh my God, it's the first time ever that Mexicans have tried to get in the United States and answer the world. Ah. <laughs> nope, nope. It's been happening your entire life. I don't care how old you are. It's been happening your entire it's life. Centuries. It happened long after you're gone. Yeah. Long, long after you're gone. It's really cute. I think it's really cute that there's people out there who think you can control the movement of people over land that you cannot own. Okay, we can argue people own land. Okay, people own land. Fair enough. But you cannot shield it against anything, the elements, people, animals. They will find a way because if it's man-made, a man can unmake it. Okay, so <laughs> this argument that you can stop the Again, flow of it's Mexicans a in the political issue. So yeah, a political issue at aimed at you, Mr. Yeah. Joe and Jane Public. It's aimed at your own xenophobia. That you yeah. have, yeah, that you have it. You don't like people that are different than you. I don't like people that are different than me. Hell, I don't even like people. Like I said, I, whatever. People are annoying, yeah. But not based on race, buddy. <laughs> Just based on them being annoying. That's Just because you don't like people doesn't mean you can tell them where they can yeah. what they can do. Yeah. So. You can hate anybody you want, but it's because of the color of their skin or whatever. That's just that's just stupid. It's arbitrary. It makes no sense. But don't right? pass any laws the about your it. Skin, by the way. You know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's get back to the story. As I told bipartisan Native American legislators earlier this week, I'm not one with a stiff arm here. You can build relationships if you don't spend time together. She added, "I stand ready to work with our states, Native American tribes, to build such a relationship." Member Star comes out and declared a state of emergency in the Pine Ridge Reservation due to the increasing crime. A judge ruled last year that the federal government has a treaty duty to support law enforcement on the reservation, but he declined to rule on the funding level the tribe sought. So the governor wants to complain about crime on the tribes, but doesn't want to give them any money to help with the crime on the tribes. <laughs> perfect sense. How would you? Why would you give her a perfectly good political issue like that? And you could, you know, just keep running on it forever and yeah. never solve a problem. Noam has deployed National Guard troops in Mexican border three times, as have some other Republican governors. Imagine being in the National Guard and you get something like that. Right? <laughs> you can't do anything. You're going to federal prison if you shoot anybody. In 2021, yeah, right. she grew criticism for accepting 
one million donation from a building donor to help cover the cost of a two-month deployment of 48 troops. She accepted a million dollars from a Republican donor to help cover the cost of a two-month deployment of 48 troops. So she's basically a fascist. So yeah, Noam, let's see, what can we do with that name? N-O-E-N, Nazis of extreme moronicness. I don't know. <laughs> it's early. Yeah. It's still early. In other news, a news organization, a very big news organization, just goes dark as bleaker news injuries in industry gets worse. It's from Daily Co's writer Mark Sumner writing, on Wednesday, online news site The Messenger shut down abruptly. The site, which expired after uh, less than a year of operation, represents one of the biggest failures online journalism after launching with over 50 million in funding. Yeah. When you think our news channel ain't doing that great, think about these poor bastards. 50 million, and they still failed. Messenger staff were reportedly given no warning and only learned about the closing from reading the news at other sites. Staff were unable to retrieve personal items from offices and can no longer log into their company accounts. They were reportedly given no severance pay and their health insurance was cut off immediately. Worst of all, the Messenger owns deleted site's content. For the writers and staff of the news site, that means all their work for the past year was turned into digital dust in an instant. Wow. The messenger's former staff left is left unable to retrieve the stories that could be vital to finding the next job. Sites that reference the messenger are now left with links that go nowhere. The information contained in all the site's articles, op-eds, and photographs is now simply gone. The Messenger launched as a general news outlet covering everything from politics to sports. Funding was largely based on ad sales in a market where everyone is seeing massive declines in ad revenue. And journalism jobs are evaporating at an increasing pace. Proclamations that the site would generate $100 million in revenue during the 24 never made much sense. Even so, founder and CEO Jimmy Finkelstein was reportedly close to securing additional funding before the deal fell through and the site was abruptly closed. The, fun th the funding that the messenger had at the outset and big plans announced by Finkelstein allowed the organization to lure reporters and other staff away from major media outlets. Early 11 months later, the staff is departing without severance pay, health care, or other, any other benefits. Finkelstein pocketed $130 million from the 2021 sale of The Hill, which is another political newspaper. Yeah, I've is, heard it. There's too many of them. There's too many of them already, and they get <laughs> stuff wrong, and they, they report public and talking points that are kind of just useless. Apparently, none of that money could be spared to give his former employees a few weeks of health insurance and anything to cushion this below. Yeah, exactly. Rich guys don't care. As the messengers was disappearing, the staff of the Chicago Tribune went on strike Thursday for the first time in the paper's 177-year history. Editors joined reporters and photographers on the picket line as they marched against the paper's owner, Alderman Global Capital, which has been described as a hedge fund vampire by Vanity Fair and as a secretive hedge fund that has quickly and with remarkably has become one of the largest newspaper operators in the country by the Atlantic. A hedge fund vampire is running your newspaper. You might want to look for a new job. <laughs> Probably going to shut it down. Yeah, they're going to shut it down. You watch. I'm like, we're going to stop reporting now. We're just going to do the official, you know, Heil Hitler line and all news. You know. Alton Global Capital purchased the Chicago Tribune in 2021. And the, 
and what's happened to that paper since goes beyond the general decline other local newspapers have been facing. While the new billionaire owner of the Baltimore Sun may have shown up at the office just long enough to dress down the staff with a derogatory tirade while letting them know he didn't actually read the paper he just purchased, the Chicago Tribune's owners didn't even put in that much effort. They just immediately moved to gutting the place. Two days after the deal was finalized, and Alden announced an aggressive round of buyouts. In the ensuing exodus of paper loss, the Metro columnists who had championed the occupants of troubled housing, housing complex, public housing complex, and the editor who maintained a homicide database that the police couldn't manipulate. And the photographer had produced beautiful portraits of the state's undocumented immigrants. And the investigative reporter who helped expose the governor's offshore shell companies. When it was over, a quarter of the newsroom was gone. Now Alden has confronted the remaining staff and offered to eliminate the company match for 401k retirement funds, block pay increase, and drastically reduce bonuses already due under the previous contract. But even as Chicago Tribune is being decimated, the owners are dealing with the workers and those workers can strike to bring attention to their cause. Those who have left have been recipients of a buyout. That's a big step up from finding the office door closed in your face and all yeah. your work deleted. That's an illustration of why workers at the Texas Tribune are moving to unionize. The Texas Tribune is a nonprofit organization and award-winning newsroom. How it is structured and its ability to sustain itself in the increasingly grim market for news has been of great interest to other sites looking for alternatives. Last summer, the Tribune was forced to conduct the first layoffs in its 14-year history, showing that there is no safe space in this storm. And he goes on to, in parentheses to say, Daily Post has not been immune to this industry downturn and conducted its first layoffs in the site's 20-year history in 23. At the Texas Tribune layoffs included the entire desk, copy desk. Yeah, just don't uh, don't ever make a mistake in uh, writing now because your copy desk is not there to edit it. So <laughs> just no buy the to Texas Tribune about. and watch everything get, watch all the grammatical errors take place. The Texas Tribune's management has been supportive of the union effort. Our response is simple, wrote CEO, CEO Sanal Shah, if Tribune employees want to be represented by union, we'll respect their right to representation. In this environment, the major media outlets seemingly failing by the day, even workers at publications as consistently ex excellent as the Texas Tribune can't take their status for granted. So there we are. There's your story on a news organization just, oop, they're gone. With a click of the mouse. Back to you. In All Europe. All right. Europe, are you there? Just how easily everything just collapses, I guess. Yeah, go click their site. You get a big old nothing. Yeah. Sorry, nothing here. Okay. For our big culture segment, we of course got the Grammys 2024, which is getting a lot of social media attention because it was probably the most exciting Grammys that's been for a while, I guess. And I've also heard it's the Gen X Grammys where they covered a bunch of things that made Gen X people feel very nostalgic and cry and get emotional. Like I was seeing some crazy stuff on, on threads. They were like, this was the one for us. You guys don't understand. This was made for Wait, us. Wait, am I Gen X? Huh? What? Am I Gen X? 
Uh, <laughs> you are you are in a weird place where you're like the end of the boomers and the beginning of Gen X. So you're just like a you're kind of like me. Cause oh, I'm in the okay, middle of like... I'm in the middle of being a millennial and a Zoomer. So we're just mid gens. It's the worst place to be. Joni you don't belong to either of them. You're just Joni in the middle Mitchell somewhere, being all fucked up. Johnny <laughs> Mitchell, Stevie Wonder, and Billy Joe are more like boomers. I don't. Hey, I'm yeah, just sorry. reporting what the people on the internet are saying. You, you can you right, can fact up. check them if you want, but that's just what they felt an emotional feeling to watching the Grammys. But anyways, this is from your news culture. Taylor Swift makes history and announces a new album. Saw that coming. Me personally, I saw that yeah. coming. Barbie triumphant. Killer Mike movie. arrested. The Grammys bring excitement and drama. The 66th annual Grammy Awards took place on last night, February 4th. And if you thought drama was contained to the movie award season, you were very much mistaken. It was a big night for female artists, with SZA starting the evening with the most nominations, nine, and Victoria Monet and Phoebe Bridges close behind, seven nods each. Ultimately, Taylor Swift triumphed in Best Pop Vocal Album because she's Taylor Swift. It's just a free win. It's... Yeah, nobody, as long as she, if she puts out an album, don't expect to win. Um, and she won Album of the Year for Midnight's Making History in the Process. More on that in a bit. SZA was also a big winner, taking home Best Pop Duo Group Performance, Best Progressive R&B Album, and Best R&B Song. Phoebe Bridgers and her supergroup Boy Genius had a great evening too, winning Best Rock Performance, Best Rock Song, and Best Alternative Music Album. Elsewhere, Miley Silas won Record of the Year for Flowers, her first ever Grammy. Victoria Monet won Best New Artist. Carol G made Grammy history, becoming the first female performer to win Best Musica Urbana album for blockbuster Mañana Cero Bonito record. And Billie Eilish won Song of the Year for her Barbie hit, What Was I Made For? And for the country fans out there, Best Country Album went out to Lainey Wilson for Bell Bottom Country. Her very first Grammy. Yeah, a lot of women did win. Here are the take cute takeaways for a very, very busy evening. Taylor Swift triumphs and announces a new album. Tay Tay All Day won Album of the Year for Midnight's, breaking the record for most wins in category with four. She beats Frank Sinatra, Stevie Wonder, Paul Simon, who had three. That's all very good, but the big news for Swifties came earlier in the night when she finally endorsed President Biden for this year's election, thereby sending conservatives into a nuclear melt. No, that's not it. Uh, instead, Swift used her 13th Grammy win to announce her new album, The Tortured Poets Department. I know that the way the Recording Academy voted is directly in reflection of the passion of the fans, she said, while accepting the Best Vocal Album Award. So I want to say thank you to the fans by telling you a secret that I've been keeping from you for the last two years, which is that my brand new album comes out on April 19th. It's called The Tortured Poets Department. I'm gonna go and post the cover right now backstage. True to her word, Swift posted Shameless. a black and white image. Sorry? Shameless self-promotion. Shameless. Shameless. She is a Shameless. really good businesswoman, let me tell you. Yeah. But There's a reason she's the fact. most anyway, richest woman in the world, really, I think. That was just the cringiest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> Raj is not I'm a not fan. I'm not rich enough. Here's some more self-promotion. I'm not anti <laughs> Hey, we, hey we need to take some, some, uh, some tips from her. We need to self-promote ourselves because we, <laughs> we only have 67 subscribers. I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry. She's somebody. Do her word. All celebrities are insufferable. That was just. Swift posted a black and white image Shame. of her reclining across some comfy looking pillows. The top half of her face is cut off to the lower contrast image. All is fair in love and poetry, her caption read. You can imagine the internet went to full meltdown mode, and in a little over an hour, the Instagram post alone had amassed 7 million likes. Celine Dion graces the stage! The award for Album of the Year was presented by one, the only, Celine Dion, who surprised everyone with her appearance. The celebrated artist had rudely stopped performing due to stiff person syndrome. She was diagnosed in 2022, and this led to cancellation of her world tour in May 2023. She received a standing ovation for existing with an illness. Hey, it's Hollywood. What can you, what can you say? <laughs> yeah. Uh, when I'm saying I'm happy to be here, I really mean it from my heart, she said. Last week, Dion announced a release in the upcoming documentary that hopes to raise awareness about her rare neurological disorder. In a statement, Dion said, As the road to resuming my performance career continues, I've realized how much I've missed it, of being able to see my fans. During the absence, I decided I want to document this part of my life to help others who share the diagnosis. So, good good for you, Celine Dion, and the showing support for the stiff person syndrome victims, I guess. I don't know if they see themselves as victims, but... Big performances! Trevor Noah hosted the main Grammy ceremony for the fourth consecutive year. He's just, he's got that bag, man. He's like, no one's gonna take this away from me. I'm the best Grammys host, hands down. Noah greeted an excited crowd, starting things off with a kiss on the cheek from Meryl Streep. That was already an impressive start, but the performances that followed made an evening one for the books. Performers during the show included SZA, Dua Lipa, Billie Eilish, Oliva Rodrigo, Travis Scott, Billy Joel, and Miley Cyrus, among others. Dooley opened the show with a high-octane medley first, a tease of a forthcoming Signal training season, then a most recent Signal Houdini, and finally a disco par pop Barbie hit, Dance the Night. Um, Luke Combs also did a heartfelt rendition of Fast Car with Tracy Chapman. During one of her rare public appearances, Combs' cover of the Chapman classic has dominated country radio and won him a song of the year in the 2023 CMAs. In 1989, Chapman won Best Pop Vocal Performance for the song. Riding off those coattails! There's also a set from you too. One of the most groundbreaking and beloved bands of all time, according to Noah, performing from the Sphere in Las Vegas. They're really trying to sell that Sphere in Las Vegas. They've been performed from it. Uh, Joni Mitchell, which is our mic drop. 80 made the Grammy history by performing both sides now from a 1969 album, Clouds. It was a first ever Grammy performance in her introduction, Brandy Carlisle called her one of the most influential and emotionally generous creators in human history. Damn right. Mitchell also won the award for best folk album. Damn right again. <laughs> I wish I wrote this, but I did not write this. <laughs> Barbie gets some love. Oscars may have, according to some, shunned Barbie, but the Grammys decided to take another route. Billie Eilish and her brother collaborator, Finnis O'Connell, Gentle Ballad, What Was I Made For, was awarded Best Song of the Year and Best Song Written for Visual Media. Damn, that's stupid, guys, she said during her speech. That was crazy list of incredible people. I'm shocked out of my balls. We hope her balls are safe and sound. <laughs> shocked out of my balls. <laughs> We've got somebody self-promoting and somebody saying shocked out of my balls. Thank you, Greta Gerwig, for making the best movie of the year, Alice said during her acceptance speech. 
Eilish, sorry, not Eilish, Eilish songs have already won a handful of awards this season, including Best Original Song at the 2024 Golden Globes, and it's currently up for Best Original Song at the upcoming Oscars in March. Freaking Billie Eilish is getting ready to win another Oscar, I think. She has a, she has a feeling. Uh, Flowers by Miley Cyrus beat out Eilish's What Was I Made For? And Boy Genius is Not Strong Enough for the major reward. The self-love anthem Flowers won Record of the Year and has continued to break records upon its release, becoming the first song to reach 100 million streams on Spotify in one week and earning 1 trillion streams after three months. So uh, let's see, let's do a quick thing. Uh, Boy Genius wins alternative music album. We covered that. Jay-Z wins, but he had beef with uh, uh, Beyonce not winning anything. So just like when Kanye was like, Beyonce should have won. Jay-Z also was like, Beyonce should have won. I can't believe she did get nominated. You guys are racist. Uh, Killer Mike win, won three awards and then was arrested. Rapper Killer Mike, best known by some as one half of the band Run the Jewels, won three awards in quick succession but somehow ended up in police custody before the main Grammy ceremony began. He was handcuffed and scored by police out of the Grammy Awards, having won three Grammys during the pre-televised portion of the ceremony. The Hollywood Reporter broke the news and the LAPD confirmed that he was detained after a physical altercation at the Crypto.com Arena where the Grammys were being held. So he got in a fight with somebody on the red carpet. Real, the drama. Sorry? Who got arrested? Killer Mike. He's a rapper. Rapper Killer Mike. I know he, who he is. Oh, you know he who it is? Okay. He's a, he was a big, he's a big Bernie, Bernie fan. He hasn't won a Grammy Award since Any? 2003, when he was first nominated one for his feature on Outcast The Whole World as Best Rap Performance in Duo or Group. He won Best Rap Song, Best Rap Performance, and for his track Scientists Engineers, and Best Rap Album for Michael, his sixth studio album released in June 2023. But uh, he got in a fight with somebody on the red carpet, and then he was arrested before he... I guess he didn't get to sit down and watch the sh actual show, you know? He didn't get to get drunk, which is probably good if he's already starting fights on the red carpet. Probably good that he didn't get drunk in the Grammys. But there you go. Uh, there is your list of big events that happened. Taylor album release, Billie Eilish winning another Grammy, Celine Dion braving the world and coming out publicly on television with her, her neurological symptoms, and of course Trevor Noah being the best host ever of all time, I guess. And let's hope, let's hope Killer Mike gets his medication. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure Killer Mike's already been let off. He's probably just like yeah. put in the drunk tank or something. But <laughs> see you. Um, He's a big dude. Yeah. Big dude. Yeah. Hey. And it's time for this day in history. It's the Grammys. All right. This day in history, as we work on the nine o'clock hour out here in the States. <laughs> <laughs> this day, uh, February 5th, 1900, the first of two Hay Ponsefito treaties, named for US Secretary, J, uh, Secretary of State John Hay and British Ambassador Lord. Ponsefote, or whatever that word is, was signed between the United States and Great Britain over the control proposed Panama Canal, which hadn't been finished yet. In 1914, American writer William S. Burroughs, whose experimental novels evoke deliberately erratic prose, nightmarish, and sometimes wildly humorous world was born. Uh, could have played some Steely Dan today, damn it. Well, Famously, Steely Dan got their name from 
William S. Burroughs, named for a dildo. 1917, Mexico adopted its present constitution. In 1943, American middleweight boxer Jake LaMotta, the Bronx Bull, who is also famously portrayed in the movie Raging Bull, handed Sugar Ray Robinson his first defeat. Wow. And got pummeled into unrecognizable. I mean, he would take a punch. Jake LaMotta would fight, he would fight with his face on puffed up. And that's how he beat Ray Robinson. Portuguese football soccer player Cristiano Ronaldo was born on this day in Portugal in 1985. So Ronaldo is uh, whatever that math tells you. Almost, almost 40. Something, yeah. 39, that would be it. Yeah. 1994, Byron de la Beckwith was convicted of killing civil rights, civil rights leader Medgar Evers in 1963. Beckwith received a life sentence. So let's see, murdered him in 63, went on trial in 1994. Let me guess, it's the American South. Yeah. Old justice. 31 years, 31 years of everybody knowing who did it and they never brought him to justice until 1994. 2003, U.S. Secretary of State Colin Powell appeared before the United Nations Security Council and lied about Iraq having weapons of mass destruction. Well, I can't accuse him of lying. He was given the lies to present. He just didn't check them out to see if they're actually lies, but they lied, they make shit up. And then invented, invaded Iraq, and oh, a million people died, a couple million, everybody displaced, total misery, total destroyed human life. But yeah, at least we got some oil out of it. 2017, the first overtime game in Super Bowl history, Tom Brady and the New England Patriots overcame the 25-point deficit to defeat the horribly, horribly choking Atlanta Falcons. How do you choke away a lead like that? Just, 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 They've never, the organization still hasn't recovered. 2020, after being impeached by the House of Representatives over his actions in the Ukraine scandal, defendant Jay Trump was acquitted in the Senate in another big mistake. Featured event in 146 BC, the, the Punic Wars ended. The Third Punic War, the last of the three between Roman Carthage, came to an end on this day, 146 BEC, BCE, sorry culminating in the final destruction of Carthage, the enslavement of people in a Roman hegemony over the Mediterranean, basically ending it, ending it for the Greeks, you know? It's like, okay, sorry, Greeks, we're in charge now. We're and, in charge uh, now. <laughs> we're in charge yeah. now. Well, of course, they said it in Latin. Okay, sorry. Okay, didn't say it in English. Okay. I don't and remember this any day of those in words history also. Feature biography. <laughs> What's that? I took Latin for two years, but I don't think I learned any of those words in Latin. We're in charge the, the now. Punic, the Punic Wars? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Well, I'm just saying. Yeah. They said it in Latin. They didn't say it in English. <laughs> it's the Punic Wars. Hank Aaron was born on this day, February 5th, 1934. So happy 90th birthday to Hammer and Hank. Born in Mobile, Alabama. Died January 22nd, 2021. Just three short years ago, wow, at age of 86 in Atlanta, Georgia. 
Other birthdays, Roger Staubach, American football player, born in 1942. Michael Mann, American director and screenwriter, born in 1943. Laura Linney, American actress, born in 64. You already called her Ronaldo. And Neymar, Brazilian football player, born in the same day in 1992. So big day for South American and Portuguese football players. And as we mentioned before, it is National Weather Person's Day and National Shower with a Friend Day. So those are your days. Shower with a friend. And if it's raining outside, it makes it real easy. Back to you. That's all <laughs> for Before Coffee, February 5th, 2024. I just don't understand why there's a day for sleeping, I'm sorry, showering with a friend. I don't understand that, but... To save water. To save water. <laughs> That's specifically Plus the... I can scrub your back. I guess, scrub, which scrub, one, scrub, I guess, scrub, let scrub. us know in the comments which, what's weirder. Taking a shower with your family or taking a shower with a friend? Let us know which one you think is weirder. Because <laughs> there's people out uh, there who have who take showers with their family. There's friends and then there's oh. friends. Yeah. There's friends and then there's friends. Of course, so, if you're in a just sports let us team, know. you're always taking a shower uh, with your friends. Don't forget to, uh, if you're not already subscribed, subscribe so you can see every single subscribe. episode of our Before Coffee. And of course, uh, like the video. And if you want to support us, there is a tip link in the description so you can help keep this show running because we're currently running on fumes so <laughs> thank you for following yeah. nanako reborn here is i'll see you tomorrow for good news tuesday and here is your mic drop moment sure to hit the like, subscribe, and notify buttons, and follow our other channels, Toxic Alley, History of Gravy, and Scratchy Old Records.